0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. A final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 8, the Baltimore Orioles 7. The Orioles losing streak stays alive. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And as great as the Indians have been playing over the last few days, and yeah, they're beating up on one of the worst teams in baseball, uh, unfortunately, the White Sox have been playing just slightly better uh over the last ten games the Indians are seven and three they're on a three game win streak fortunately the White Sox are eight and two and they're on a two-game win streak uh we thought Tampa Bay would be you know us matching up against the Orioles and the White Sox matching up against Tampa Bay that was a recipe to maybe gain some games in the division well the Indians are still four and a half back despite taking three in a row here from Baltimore so we still got a lot of work cut out for us but uh, it is definitely a, uh, a two-horse race in the American League Central between the Indians and the White Sox. I mean, the Royals have lost six in a row. They're one in nine in their last ten games. And in fact, uh, Detroit actually has a chance of passing them into third place. So it really is going to be between the Indians and the White Sox for the rest of the season unless a miraculous turnaround happens from the bottom of the division. So let's get into this game. Let's get into the storylines. And there were so many fun, ridiculous things that happened in this game. It's an old adage, but every time you go to a baseball game, you will see something that you have never seen before. And uh, whether it's Eddie Rosario's bunt swing, whether it's Jose Ramirez uh, getting himself out of a pickle, right? Beating a pickle, getting out of a rundown. Uh, I guarantee you have never seen anything like that before. Well, maybe. I tweeted this out. If you if you don't follow me on Twitter, it's at Davey Barris. I tweeted this out because the Indians tweeted out Eddie Roseros. It's not even a bunt. It's not even a bunt swing attempt. It was it was a check swing foul ball. Basically, you know, basically that's that's what it should have been. It should have been a check swing foul ball. But instead it stays fair down the third base line. It stays in the grass and never rolls foul. And uh, you can see the panic uh, in the reaction from uh, the catcher Severino for the Orioles, where I mean, even Eddie Rosario didn't even start down the first base line. This is in the uh, is this in the first inning or the second inning? I believe this is in the uh, this is in the second inning. Yeah, this is to lead off the second inning. So uh, it doesn't even register on StatCast. There's no exit velocity. It's a single without exit velocity because there was no swing. He throws his hands up to kind of check his swing on a high and tight pitch, and it hits off the barrel of the bat and just, and stays fair. And Severino uh, eventually realizes what's happening. He flies out of his stance. Him and the pitcher almost collide going for this thing. The pitcher eventually ends up with it, but double clutches it, picking it up off the grass. And hey, Rosario doesn't even... Run at first. He's like wringing his hands out at first, then realizes the ball's staying fair, realizes he has to run, and uh, beats out the throw to first base. So pretty incredible there from Eddie Rosario. And I may have never seen that in a Major League game before, but I've definitely seen that from someone in a Cleveland Indians uniform before. And if you remember the opening day scene from the movie Major League, that is exactly how Willie Mays Hayes gets on to start the season. Remember, uh Bobby Eucher's like, you can tell a lot from about a season from the first batter. He does that little check swing and he goes, oops, and then runs down the first baseline, beats out the throw. Uh, you know, they're 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 clapping in the dugout, they're clapping in the stands. They think, hey, maybe this season won't be off to a bad start. And then Willie Mays Hayes gets picked off first base. So that's uh a very memorable scene from the movie Major League. I tweeted out the gif of it. And uh, those of you who follow on Twitter, uh, or those of you in Indians Twitter, uh, definitely responded and threw up the likes on that one. So we have seen it before. We've just never seen it in an actual Major League game. So sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And Eddie Rosario gets on there. Unfortunately, he doesn't come around to score in that inning. Um, they were they scored in the first on a... Uh, on a Jose Ramirez solo home run, and uh, unfortunately they put two on in that second inning because Bobby Bradley would walk, uh, and then Eddie Rosario would actually get thrown out trying to steal third base, and then Rene Rivera would strike out to end the threat. Um, We'll get to Jose Ramirez, well, we'll get to Jose Ramirez right now because Jose Ramirez would have the next incredible play. Uh, yes, he had a fantastic home run in the first inning. 107.9 mile per hour exit velocity, 930 expected batting average, uh, right down the line into the standing, you know, the home run porch in left field, and the physics on this baseball. How many times have we seen a ball at Progressive Field at the Jake hit out to left field? and it bangs off those big metal railings there, right? There's like five or six railings stacked up on top of each other to you know, protect the fans from that 19-foot wall. And how many times have we seen a ball rattle off that thing, maybe even fool the umpires into thinking it was a double off the top of the wall, right? Didn't Jordan loop blows? Didn't we have to review one and they got it wrong earlier in the season? Well, somehow Jose Ramirez defied physics and got this ball between the railings. He hit it so perfectly that it split two of the railings and scooted across the home run porch, where some teenagers finally grabbed it. That's physics. We got to get the sports science people on this one because the physics of how that ball squeaked through those railings on the perfect angle—that's incredible. So yeah, so Jose Ramirez gets things going after they looked like the Orioles might really might run away with this one, and we will get to the Orioles offense and Savali's pitching in a little bit. Within the miracle play from Jose Ramirez. Um, there is there anything better in baseball than a guy in a pickle, right, in a rundown? If you've never heard the term, if you're any of our international listeners, it's a slang phrase for basically being in a rundown. You're stuck in a pickle. Um, and uh, Jose Ramirez here. So the inning starts with a Bradley Zimmer single. Uh, Cesar Hernandez walks behind him. Ahmed Rosario singles, and it brings in Bradley Zimmer to score. So that puts across the first run of the, or the second run for the Indians. It ties the game. And then Jose Ramirez comes up, singles into right field, a real nice shot, 104.4 mile per hour exit velocity. In fact, everybody was hitting uh, the starting pitcher for the Orioles hard in this game, Aiken. Um, Bradley Zimmer's single was 105.2. Ahmed Rosario's single was 100.5. Jose Ramirez's single was 104.4. Harold Ramirez would follow that up with 111.9 mile per hour exit velocity. So he was really getting hit hard, especially in that third inning. So we've already had a run come across, right? Actually, at that point, it was a 3-2 game because the the Orioles were able to score one in the top of the third. So, yeah, it was 3-1 to one going in. Now it's 3-2. Jose Ramirez comes up. Lions went into right field, and they're off to the races. Cesar Hernandez comes in to score. Ahmed Rosario comes all the way around from first. His speed is such a difference. Ahmed Rosario comes all the way around to score, and uh, Jose Ramirez actually does something. A pretty, crafty, uh, a pretty crafty move here. He almost allows himself to get into a rundown, right? So the, the throw in Major League Baseball, when the throw comes in from the outfield, the pitcher's mound is kind of the cutoff. And usually it's the first baseman taking that cut throw. Um, so you had the shortstop covering second, the second baseman covering first, the first baseman taking the cutoff throw at the pitcher's mound, the pitcher backing up behind home plate. So uh, the first baseman gets it. Jose Ramirez kind of allows himself to get into a rundown to make sure that Ahmed Rosario can score. It's kind of a crafty play, right? It's worth sacrificing himself on the base pass to make sure that other run comes across because now the Indians have a 4-3 lead. So he the uh, first baseman gets it, flips it to the shortstop, Freddie Galvez. He runs Jose Ramirez back towards first base where they flip the ball to the second baseman, v- Vileka. Sure, Vileka. Um, He runs it back towards shortstop, uh, runs Jose Ramirez back. Jose Ramirez is able to change direction. It looks like he could tag him. Is it Mancini at that point? It might be Mancini or it might be Vileka. Either way, it looks like they can tag him. But instead they flip the ball to Freddie Galvis and they, they instead of throwing it, flip it, like literally flip it in the air, you know put some air under it and that allows Jose Ramirez to accelerate. he passes Freddie Galvez and Franco and the left fielder DJ Stewart are nowhere to be found in a rundown and they practice this. You practice this when you're a kid. in a rundown, everyone has to get involved. That left fielder, that center fielder Mullins have to get in on that play. They have to get to second base because you need guys in the rotation to be able to keep the rundown going. Most rundowns don't last that long, but you got to be on your horse and ready to go. Franco comes over and tries to cover second, but it's too late. Jose Ramirez slides in safe, and and he beats the pickle. And then on top of that, Nobody follows up and covers third. Franco, the third baseman, had come to get in the rundown. Jose Ramirez realizes this, picks himself off, stumbles and bumbles his way down to third base. Um, he almost fell flat on his face, but he's able to hang on and he's able to beat everybody. Galvis and the catcher, uh, you know, uh, Severino, are chasing him. Severino realizes what's happening. Uh, the wide shot on this is incredible, watching these guys stumble around the field. And he's able to slide into third safely and and and, uh, and not only beat the pickle, but take an extra base. And uh, Andre Knott was reporting this later, that the guys in the dugout gave him a hard time because if he hadn't have fallen flat on his face, I mean, he basically falls into third base, collapses into third base, if he was, <laughs> and then completely out of breath. So they were teasing him if he was in better shape, if he could have stayed on his feet, he would have realized that now nobody was covering home. If he really wanted to, he may have been able to round third and go home with nobody covering. Uh, and literally had a Little League home run. So, it's an incredible play from Jose Ramirez. Not only that, it, it gives the Indians the lead. And then Harold Ramirez follows it up with a double that he smokes. And uh, like I said, 111.9 mile per hour exit velocity. Everything Harold Ramirez hits is hit hard. And uh, he's able to come in and score. He rewards them. He brings them in to score. And now it's a 5-3 game. So a huge inning. Eddie Rosario would actually follow that up with a weak double, 83.7 mile per hour exit velocity, that he just drops into right field, down the right field line. So another double scores Harold Ramirez, and it turns into a five-run inning. So, yeah, pretty incredible from the Indians' offense. Um, They would, the Orioles would start to mount a little comeback, Mount Castle has a two-run home run in the fifth. The Indians are going to have to do a little bit more work. And in the sixth inning, uh, this time it's Rene Rivera setting things up with a walk. Bradley Zimmer with single. This is with two outs. After Chang and Bradley strike out, Rene Rivera walks. Zimmer singles. Cesar Hernandez with a triple into the right field corner. Puts it right down the line. Gets it past Mancini. And Bradley Zimmer is able to come in and score. Again, speed on the base paths is a huge advantage. And Bradley Zimmer scored two very important runs here. He sparks that rally in the third inning with a leadoff single. And then this hit here and being able to score all the way from first. Uh, you know, Wood Cesar Hernandez have gone for third if there hadn't been runners on, if it hadn't been a situation. I don't know. I, I, I didn't see you know the high camera. I can't tell you if that would have been a double or a triple but either way, the speed from Bradley Zimmer to score all the way from first, and we saw from Ahmed Rosario earlier in the game, speed on the base paths is a huge advantage for the Indians right now. And being able to turn over from the ninth spot in the lineup, get yourself on base. Bradley Zimmer was on base three times yesterday, two singles and a walk. To be able to get yourself on base and score from first base is huge. Is absolutely huge. So... Bradley Zimmer is not hitting a ton right now. I mean, his batting average is at .256. That's actually not terrible. .256. His OPS is only at .640. He's not hitting for a ton of power. I'm guessing most of that OPS is tied up in on-base percentage. That's serviceable from the ninth spot. And the defense that he brings in center field and the speed on the base paths, uh, that's really good from Bradley Zimmer. So, Cesar Hernandez triples, brings in... Both of those runs to score, which would be important because Shaw would really struggle in the seventh inning. Uh, every time the Indians Indians would pull away, the Orioles would come back. Right, so they're up five three. The Orioles, uh, let's see here, the Orioles would come back and tie it in that fifth. That's right, that home run. Oh, I'm sorry, they were up they were up six three at that point. I forgot Jose Ramirez's home run in the first. So the Indians are up six three. That two-run home run from Mountcastle would make it 6-5. The Indians would put two across in the sixth. The Orioles would put two across in the seventh off of Shaw. So now it's 7-8, and that would be how the game would end. So every time the Indians pulled away, those Orioles would come creeping back. So yeah, it was was a tough game, and the Indians' offense really battled. So that's your first storyline. The Indians' offense doing incredible things on the base paths, putting together some good rallies. Um, this time, yesterday, we said the Indians offense was finally able to do it without Jose Ramirez. Today, they did, or yesterday, last night, they did it with Jose Ramirez. Three RBIs led the team at RBIs on the day. All right, so let's get into the second storyline. When the first storyline's hitting, you know the second storyline's going to be pitching. And baseball is... Unpredictable. It is whatever you expect is gonna happen, be prepared for the opposite. And we're all talking about Aaron Savali, right? He's our last starter we have remaining. We need to protect Aaron Savali, wrap him in bubble wrap in between starts. We gotta protect Aaron Savali, right? Uh he's our only those are the only games we can win, you know, with Savali starting. Well, uh Savali had to work. And uh, this is one of those situations where we talk about the win, right? The win for pitchers. I've talked about this before. Everybody frowns upon the win these days. And I think there are times when it applies, when it is useful. And for a guy like Aaron Savali, I think it is more applicable than a guy like Shane Bieber. A guy like Shane Bieber, you're looking at the strikeouts, right? You're looking at the batting average against. You're looking at how dominant he is when he's on the mound. With a guy like Savali, he's not dominant, right? He only had two strikeouts and five innings. His final line is five innings, nine hits, five earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts, and a home run allowed, a big home run on 96 pitches. Now, he's only hard hit six times in 96 pitches, so that's not terrible, but um, I mean, only two strikeouts. It's not dominant by any means, but he gets the win. He's now 10-2 and on the season. Uh, If he's not leading Major League Baseball in wins right now, he's right up there. Uh, I believe he is leading. He should be leading. Yeah, the first starting pitcher to 10 wins in Major League Baseball. Better than Urias over in the Dodgers. Better than Cole. Better than Hendricks in Chicago. Better than Kershaw. Better than Sutter for Milwaukee. Better than uh, Bassett in Oakland. Barrios in Minnesota. Bieber in Cleveland. He is leading All of Major League Baseball in wins. And this is when it's important, right? A guy like Savali is never going to dominate another team. But the fact that he's put his team in position to win 10 times this season is huge. He knows what he has to do, and he does it. Now, where we've seen other pitchers fall apart in that first inning, Savali is able to keep it together. And this first inning from the Orioles, they're not smoking the ball. The first four batters all get hits off of Savala, and he's got to be thinking to himself, what is going wrong? What can I do to turn this around? Now, they all have really high expected batting averages, so they're all true hits, but Cedric Mullins with a double at 77.1 mile per hour exit velocity. Trey Mancini with a bloop single at 69 mile per hour exit velocity. Freddie Galvez does smoke a single, 97.8, through... uh, It's got a one-degree launch angle, so I'm guessing that's a shot through the infielders there. Uh, And then they're starting to go first to third, and that is a bad situation for a starting pitcher. when They're going first to third, first to third, first to third, right? Mancini starts. Mullen scores on Mancini's single. Mancini goes to third on Galvis's single. On Mountcastle's single, Mancini scores. Galvis goes to third. Uh, But Mountcastle's single was 70.1. It was also a bloop single. Uh, and then eventually he gets DJ Stewart to pop out, and then Austin Hayes to ground into a double play, third, uh, right at Jose Ramirez, and he's they're able to turn two. So yeah, so that's big, that they're able to turn a double play and get out of it. A lot of times a double play is the savior for a starting pitcher, and it absolutely saves, uh, saves Aaron Savali in this first inning. Like I said, they're able to get to him again. Trey Mancini would double in the third. Mountcastle would single to bring him in to score. So, uh, a caught stealing this time. Austin Hayes gets caught stealing. That's what gets him out of it. In the, or I'm sorry, someone is caught stealing. Mountcastle is caught stealing during Austin Hayes's at bat. Um, that's what gets him out of that inning. So, uh, yeah, defense once again getting him out of innings. And then eventually he would give up a home run to Ryan Mountcastle. So uh, he let them back in the game, yes, but he battled every step of the way and was able to limit damage every step of the way and survive. Survive to get the win. And sometimes in Major League Baseball, that's what it takes. And that's what you got from Aaron Savali last night. He was not particularly effective with any of his pitches. He only had six whiffs. On 40 swings from the Baltimore Orioles. Six whiffs on 40 swings. That is not good. That's 15% on that. His CSW total on the day was 27%. He did get 14 foul balls, though. 20 were put in play. 14 fouled off. Six whiffs. So foul balls saved him a little bit there. But... um, None the average exit velocity for most of these was all under what would be considered a hard hit ball so none of his pitches were really getting tattooed that hard on average. Of course he gave up six hard hit balls but none on average were hard hit. The hardest hit ball on average was his splitter uh which got put in play twice. Um so yeah, so I mean none of his pitches his most effective pitch was his slider. He got five called strikes on the slider. Two whiffs on six swings. It's a 54% CSW. Um, But he did what Aaron Savali does. He threw strikes. And uh, unfortunately, he wasn't missing a lot of bats yesterday. Um, Where was he locating things? The curveball and the changeup and the splitter were down. Um, The slider he was throwing down and away. And the fastball and the cutter he was throwing up. He threw a lot of cutters in the middle of the plate, including the one that Mountcastle hits for the home run. It almost it was it was a cutter, it came in at 87.6 miles per hour. It felt like one of those sliders that spins and just never breaks. That's what it felt like. It felt like a pitch that just kind of spun. It was right at the letters, middle of the plate, and it was just kind of spinning there for Mount Castle. Um, yeah, so you'd like to see that break to the outside be located. I I don't know exactly where. Rivera was set up for that pitch, but I'm guessing that's not the location he wanted. I'm guessing that pitch was probably supposed to be on one of the edges, and he just left it right down the middle. So yeah, so uh, Aaron Savali definitely um, had to work. I mean, normally you're not going to win a game giving up nine hits and uh, five runs over five innings, right? That's not a recipe usually for a win, but you got all you have to do as a starting pitcher is do enough to put your team in position to win. And that's what Savali did yesterday. The bullpen behind them was pretty fantastic. Sandlin would come in. Sandlin looked dominant, and then uh things got away from him because he he was not getting uh a called strike three. In Sandlin's inning here, uh Sandlin comes in to pitch the sixth inning, and he's looking. Dominant. He's looking absolutely dominant against. Uh, strikes out Franco. Strikes out Severino, and then uh, Valeka He throws him two two seam fastballs that both were inside the strike zone on the left edge and high. Doesn't get either call. Both of the hey. If you throw it, if it went to a robot umpire, both of those pitches would have been strike three. He doesn't get the call. Ends up walking Valleca. Uh, ends up hitting Cedric Mullins and somehow just like loses it for a second and then gets Trey Mancini to line out to left field to end the threat. But I thought Sandlin was actually pitching pretty well to start. Just he was pitching pretty well. He should have had a. He should have struck out the side. I think Sandlin has some sneaky potential to be a closer one day. I can see it. He is really hard to pick up. He is really hard to hit. And that combination of slider, which he throws a ton, mixed with that uh, two-seam fastball. That's a four-seam fastball? Boy, it really moves like a two-seam fastball. I'm sorry. That thing thing really moves like a two-seamer. But it's considered a four-seam fastball. So uh, maybe it's the sinker. Maybe it's the sinker I'm seeing that moves like a two-seam fastball. I guess it's pretty hard to throw a sinker when you're a sidearm pitcher. But... uh, I guess, yeah, a sinker would move horizontally if you're a sidearm pitcher, right? That makes sense. Um, I, there's nothing about a side armor that makes sense sometimes. Uh, but yeah, that combination of slider-sinker is really, really effective for him. I could see Sandlin definitely being a closer. and I can't think of many sidearmers that are closers, right? You usually see them as setup guys. You usually don't see them get to close, but... Obviously, with Karinczak and Klasse here, we ain't going to need a closer for a while. But Sandlin is definitely definitely part of the back end of the bullpen, right? He's definitely a guy we turn to with the lead. So uh, we'll see how his role develops over the years as a Cleveland Indian. Uh, Shaw would struggle. Shaw would absolutely struggle. Uh, He would end up giving up two runs on three hits. Uh, he would get three strikeouts though, so he would get a big strikeout to get out of it. So he saves himself there. Um And then Kieranscheck and Emmanuel Clase dominant in the eighth and ninth inning. Kieranscheck does it on seven pitches. Clase does it on twelve. That is three days in a row for those guys. I don't know. I if if they get into a save situation uh today during the day game. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see if Karinczak or Colossae gets used. I, Oh boy, four days in a row, and there's no off days. We go right to Pittsburgh here. So uh, maybe Sandlin gets a chance to close a game. Wickren is still back there. We have a lot of arms in that bullpen to, to use. So we'll see if he's forced to turn in Karinczak and Colossae four days in a row. That would be a lot. Oh, Karinczak only threw seven pitches, so... It's not huge. Class eight through 12. These aren't huge, stressful innings. Sandlin through 24. Shaw through 27 pitches. A little bit more stressful innings on those guys. So We'll see what they end up doing. MVP for the day. I know you're probably thinking Jose Ramirez, and we give it to Jose Ramirez a lot. I'm giving it to Bradley Zimmer today. Bradley Zimmer, like I said, two hits and a walk. He's on base three times. He scores two runs. He not only sparks the five-run rally in the third inning with his leadoff single, but he's able to come around from first to score on the Cesar Hernandez triple, and I thought he had a really huge contribution to this game. I mean, he scores the winning run, basically. Him coming around to score gives us eight. That's the run we needed to win the game. So, Jose Ramirez... Is going he's every headline about this game is Jose Ramirez and beating that pickle, right? And beating that rundown. I'm giving MVP today for to Bradley Zimmer. I guarantee you Jose Ramirez will win it again this season. That's a guarantee. All right. So Bradley Zimmer, great job. Congratulations. 256 batting average is is fairly respectable out of the nine hole. The last thing I want to talk about is uh Ahmed Rosario, right? Ahmed Rosario has just been fantastic the last month. He's up to a 282 batting average. Where does he rank among shortstops in baseball right now? Right? Where, where does he rank? Batting average, he ranks seventh, 284. Uh, Xander Bogarts is killing it, 319 batting average. Tim Anderson, Trey Turner, Carlos Correa is in at 293. Uh, Falefa, I don't know, Keener Falefa, I know nothing about him in Texas. I guess we'll learn when we play Texas. He's at 290. Bo is at 284, tied with Ahmed Rosario. So technically, he's tied for sixth in batting average across all of baseball. Of course, if we're going to talk shortstops, where's our old friend Francisco Lindor? Down at 220. All right, what about OPS, right? What about that fun stat, that the new stat that really matters? OPS, on-base percentage plus slugging percentage. This time, Ahmed Rosario is a little bit lower. He doesn't slug as much as some of these guys. Obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. is crushing it. He's at a nine ninety three OPS. He's absolutely bringing the power. Ahmed Rosario comes in at tenth, respectable tenth with OPS at seven forty seven. Whereas our old friend Francisco Lindor down at six sixty nine. That's right. Technically, Ahmed Rosario has a better batting average than Fernando Tatis Jr. by almost by eleven points. He has a better batting average, but Tatis obviously is hitting the. Is hitting a lot of home runs. I'm trying not to curse on the show. Uh, is hitting a lot of home runs, and uh, his OPS is way up there uh, with the best in baseball. All right, what about weighted WRC plus weighted runs created plus? Where does our old friend, uh, where does Ahmed Rosario come in here? He comes in 11th. Now WRC plus. Remember, whenever you see a plus stat, that's where league average is set to 100. So if you're above 100, you're above league average, right? I'm in Rosario at 107, very respectable, right? He is creating runs on the base path. He is getting things done. Our old friend Francisco Lindor comes in at 19th in this with 94 WRC+. Fernando Tatis Jr. leading the way at 162. Bogart's right behind him at 153. They are going to be your starting shortstops probably on the all-star team. Obviously, Fan vote might influence that a little bit, but based on performance, it should be Bogarts and Tatis leading the way for the All-Star team. You know, that's kind of what the impetus of why I wanted to look at this. Like, is Ahmed Rosario getting himself in the conversation for a reserve spot on the All-Star team? Probably not yet. Probably. There's a few guys ahead of him, right? He's got Bogarts, Correa, Bachette, Tim Anderson, and Freddie Galvis is actually playing pretty good. Freddie Galvis is right behind him in WRC Plus at 108. And J. P. Crawford. So, yeah, there's there's some AL shortstops that are doing pretty good. But Ahmed Rosario is having a really respectable season. The last thing is war, right? War, obviously a very important stat. Uh, You may see it as F war because this is fan graphs that I'm looking at right now. Xander Bogarts is actually leading the way at war. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has a negative defensive war, which is surprising. I did not know his defense was struggling that bad. So Bogarts actually has a better war than Tatis Jr. He's at 3.2. Correa's at 2.7. Fernando Tatis Jr. is at 2.5 with Trey Turner at 2.5. At this time, uh, Ahmed Rosario comes in at 15th with 1.1 war. Right behind him, Francisco Lindor at 1.0 and Trevor Story at 1.0. Now, both those guys are struggling offensively. They actually have negative offensive war. Francisco Lindor, the guy who is like our perennial all-star, now has a negative offensive war. But his defensive war is much higher, and that's what gets him up to the 1.0. That's why he's right behind Ahmed Rosario in this category. Rosario has a respectable war. He's 1.6 on offense, 1.9 on defense. When it comes together total, it's not you're just not taking the difference or adding them together. There's a different calculation for the total war. He's at 1.1. So it's very... Very respectable from Ahmed Rosario. He's he's not as flashy on defense as some of these other guys. Some of these other guys are really Trey Turner, uh, Keener Falafel from Texas. They're over a 5.0 defensive WAR, so they are really impressive with the glove. Um, so yeah, so uh, it is it has been respectable from uh, Ahmed Rosario, and he is definitely creeping up there in some of these statistical categories. Is he going to be competing for a spot in the All Star Game? Probably not. Probably not yet. But it has been a really fun season. And honest to God, I, I'm sure the New York Mets fans are sitting here going, "Did we want Ahmed Rosario back? Did we? Did we make a mistake here? I mean, I think you've seen the stat like what Ahmed Rosario is getting paid versus what Francisco Lindor is getting paid this season. It is significant." And so, yeah, I, th- I think as Indians fans, we got to appreciate Ahmed Rosario and what he brings to this offense and the speed he's bringing on the base paths. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch. So, yeah, so that's all my thoughts. We've got our MVP, we've got into some advanced stats, we talked to all the storylines. That's all my thoughts. So, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. We got a day game today. So, see if you can sneak the game on while you're in the office, right? Uh, If you're driving around, you can listen to the game. Day baseball, always fun. And we got Eli Morgan on the mound against Jorge Lopez for the Orioles. So, uh, Lopez is a righty, so no excuse for those lefties not to be in the lineup. I'm sure you're going to get a good dose of Bobby Bradley and Josh Naylor. Um, Yeah, Morgan, let's see what he could do. It did not go well. He is carrying an 0-1 with a 20.25 ERA right now. So, Did not go well his first time out. He's getting another crack at it. Just stay competitive, man. Just throw strikes. Do not walk people. Just hang in there, Eli Morgan, and uh, see if you can give us the same, like, three, four innings that the other young starters were able to give us. All right. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about that game. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.